Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we are discussing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 5, A Trout in the Milk. Ooh, that sounds gross. All that right of dad we have no control over. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. Jeff Randall, hit him with that five-star review. That five-star review comes from Drew Greck. What? Actually, Drew Drew Greck Greck this time. (laughs) It says, Outstanding. In all complete honesty, this is the only piece of entertainment that I always wish was longer. With everything else, I'm always checking how much time is left. Not here. I'm always looking forward for the next MCU cast episode. Aw, that's a hugely kind thing to say. Thank you. That is big kind. Big kindness. (laughs) Big, big kindness. Big. That was a weird way to phrase that. Yeah, Uh-oh. you know, I watched uh, I watched Star Wars Episode Two recently, and there's more Jar Jar in that one. So, you know, I'm trying to get it out of my system. Oh, okay, God, that was that was a Jar Jar thing. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't do the voice because I didn't want to hurt you. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. Well, thank you, Drew Greg. That's a very kind review, and I I'm very thankful for. Anybody wanting our stuff to be longer, uh, we, it's it's already so long sometimes. Um, we, we're, we're always like trying to figure out how do, can we break this up so it's not like a three-hour episode. Um, <laughs> so, cool. Which Thank, we did not used to do. Yeah, we did not. Uh, the early days, it was just like, we just talk for as long as until we're done talking. And now it's like, okay, we'll do a shield thing, and then we'll do a thing thing, we'll do this, and then we'll talk about it. And it, it, I think it, you know, parses it throughout the week a little better. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's a little, a little more easily digestible. Yeah, now. yeah, I, th- I think so. I think so. Okay. Well, thank you, Drew. Appreciate you. Uh, I think actually, I think he's our first feedback on this uh, Shield episode too. Which oh, is, is he? Yeah. Well, well, let's let's get to Shield. Let's talk about some Shield. Trout in the milk. Our a trout in the milk. Hey, uh, spoiler alert! We're going to talk about this Shield season uh, seven, episode five. And it is about, it is the episode where they reach the seventies and they discover that shield is ahead of schedule on the, uh, insight project, which I was, was mind blowingly cool. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was so cool. We get to see general Rick Stoner. Uh, we find out that, um, Freddie Malik never died and neither did Nathaniel Malik. So like, that's a whole thing. Um, it's yep. re- really the, the there's definite waves happening here. We are no longer yeah. seeing ripples. The timeline has changed. Yeah. And it's all because the, the Chronicom, uh, that one Chronicom stayed back uh, and basically told Freddie Malik what to do to, to continue surviving and thriving. Yeah. I forget who wrote in last week to talk about the idea that Freddie Malik was not supposed to be alive at this point because in a, like a season three episode they said he died in 70 and so like whoever yeah. <laughs> whoever wrote that in great call um really, yeah, good really looking great out we said it last week but really great call um yep i just man this this episode was fun stylish that intro that intro though. that intro was everything that intro was life oh my gosh it was so good it was so, so awesome fun. and then like when they get into the, the the actual like showing the city off, it was all gritty and uh, and and everything was like perfect, like it was a freaking seventies cop drama. You know, they had the panning on the pigeons flying away, like 
as soon as I saw the all the cabs in line and then the pigeons flying, I was like, oh my God, they did it. They did it. It's perfect. Yeah, really. They did it. They're doing such a great job with the season. And this episode might be my favorite so far. Um, the time travel stuff was super fun. All of the callbacks to old shield history with the Maliks, but also with Daniel Whitehall in the, oh. in the in credit sequence. Yes. I uh, love it. And then they directly spoke to us, Jeff. Did they? To they, us? Yeah. Yeah. Daisy directly spoke to us. Like you and me? Yeah. Yeah. Me and you because, and everyone that's been listening because all of the feedback we've been getting about time travel, because Deke says, wait, so if I do this, then I won't be born or was I already born? And she says, uh, I'd stop thinking about it. Your brain's going to spill out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, that's, that's for us. That's definitely that's, for us. That's definitely a direct um, call to the fans that are like, yeah, no, yeah it'll all work itself out. It's fine. <laughs> stop, <laughs> we got it. It's fine. Stop looking too closely at time travel. It never works when you look too closely at time travel. Yeah, it's, it's not something that you really need to examine. Just, you know, buckle in and come along for the ride. Come on. Yeah. And I am down, down, down to do that with this because it was just so much fun. And the idea that they use Project Insight here is 40 years early. It's uh, my, my girlfriend. I was like, oh, my gosh, Project Insight. They're 40 years early. And my girlfriend looked at me and then Colson like Colson said, they're 40 years early. And I was like, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> she looked at me it. like I was nuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you know they're 40 years early? What is it, Project Insight? And I was like, you never listen to me. <laughs> Alyssa, this is why we can't have nice things. You just don't listen. <laughs> Captain America and the Winter Soldier Come on She's like who's the Winter Soldier I'm like you're just trolling me now <laughs> <laughs> You're dead to me You're dead to me Get out of my house uh, Let's see Slightly better beard this episode No no dude Slightly <laughs> slightly better I didn't say it was fully better It was still a really bad beard But oh, yeah, slightly no. better than last episode Last episode I felt like I like someone wrote in and said they could like see the glue and I, and I agree with that. It, it, like, yeah, it was rough and this was weird and not great. His, His costume. <laughs> I feel like everything else is perfect. And then the Mal, like Freddie Malik costume in both episodes has been like, kind of like he, they aged him kind of poorly and his beard always sucks. The, the Freddie Malik aging costume in this episode in particular was, atrocious <laughs> like it, yeah, it looked I like that it looked like the worst wig just kind of thrown on like they they pulled it straight out of the the wig production factory didn't treat it at all like just kind of spray painted it silver in spots and it was like kind of stuck out and you know like too much volume on it and it wasn't like it it wasn't softened at all they were just like throw it on and get it out there we gotta we gotta record let's go yeah it was terrible yeah i i agree i agree i still maintain it's a little better than last episode with the beard but it is pretty bad makeuping all over and it just sucks because the, the rest of the show like literally everything else in the show was incredible they <laughs> made new york look like it was from the 70s like legit <laughs> but they can't make freddie malik's beard look right i don't understand 
<laughs> and this like black hole of, of makeup and costuming is just like, nope, no, not him. Let's let's focus on everything else. Freddie Malik's just whatever. He's throw him away. Deke's going to shoot him. It's it's perfect character arc for him. What did you think about Deke shooting Malik like that? Deke shot Malik. Oh, my God. I freaking loved it personally. It was awesome. It was such a like that's such a a, a great turn for that character, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for the for the character of Deke because you know he was just trying to survive in the in the future, the dark future, and he was doing what he could, you know, providing entertainment or whatever, and like laying low under the radar, and like he always said that he had to do that he would do whatever he had to do to survive, uh, in you know against the Kree or whatever, but you never really see him do anything terrible uh other than like maybe turn the team in once whatever <laughs> but <laughs> he's not like directly like he's not pulling the trigger yeah and he's then, never really been a trigger man up until this point yeah and then when it comes time later in you know future episodes or whatever he's running from from danger all the time like he just cannot fight and he's not he's not an agent he's not an agent at all and then when he's told to pull the trigger in what 31 he he hesitates because like i don't know if this is right and then max like you shouldn't do that you shouldn't do that and then when it comes time in this episode he's just like nah man i'm done with this shit this guy's going down mm-hmm. and i love it i love that he had that determination bet you didn't predict that yeah mm. oh. she's like what did you do Deke, what did you do? And he says, he's supposed to be dead, right? Status quo. Like, cut some cold, cold Deke action. Especially after the way he felt about Freddy. He gives no quarter to Malik in this. Uh, and it, it, he feel, he can, he, you can tell he regrets, especially since they were not able to preserve the timeline. The timeline is now fully disrupted. And he really regrets what he's done leaving Malik alive. Yeah, he's basically looking at it like all that, all that pain, all that that strife that was that was happening in the 30s. And for what? You know, what did we accomplish with that? The timeline is still changed. It's still I mean, even Sousa is like, it looks like every time you guys jump, it gets worse. Yeah, like for sure. you guys are oh. making the timeline worse. You know, one of my favorite things about this episode is they jump in the middle of the episode. Yeah. That was so rad because they've they've done this sort of like the jumps have been how you transition between episodes to some degree. And this this I did not expect them to jump to 76 so quick at all. So super rad. No, yeah, it was it was really great having like I, I wish there had been more time for the for the jump. But it was you know, it was what the it was the amount of time that needed to be there for them to get, you know, to the end of the of the mission or whatever, to the end of insight happening. Right. Because like either shield sticks around in um, in 73 and you know, can can somehow probably stop the machinations of of whoever, you know, the bad people are uh, of the Chronicoms and Hydra and all that. Or they jump to the future and know where their ship is. <laughs> You're either stuck in 73 or you have your ship that you can jump through time with. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I like it a lot. And then having Rick Stoner. Rick Stoner remembered who May was. Like her little character 
three years later after a single meeting in the bar. Oh, yeah. It was so good. I kind of forgot that was three years between those two scenes. That's beautiful. There's a lot of really fun stuff. I really love her sort of like using hitting on him but not exactly i don't know it's really funny it's really really funny yeah, like she wanted to use her feminine wiles and he was like no yeah we're professional completely professional <laughs> he's, he's, he's like, i've I, taken a lot of classes i really love to take a lot, I've of, a lot of seminars I've, <laughs> I've been to a number of seminars <laughs> how so many seminars have you been to rick stoner <laughs> a considerable amount of seminars oh uh considerable <laughs> a considerable amount of seminars <laughs> <laughs> I've been to a considerable amount of seminars. You know what I think they've really learned in their seventh year of this show? The people with deep voices are the best actors? Yes. People with deep voices make for great like line delivery. Because they, like, freaking, uh, yeah, it's just great. I, I, I love everything Enoch says, and I really love Rick, Rick Stoner now that he's talking. Director Rick Stoner. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. Director, well, that's just because Patrick Stoner Warburton right is a here. freaking amazing actor. Patrick Warburton, um, I speak like this naturally. Um, it's not really <laughs> my fault. <laughs> have you seen um, Have you seen the Netflix series Space Force? Yes, I have. I love his character as the Joint Chiefs uh, or the Chief of Staff of the Mil- of the uh, Marines. Yeah, me too. It's really good. It's really, <laughs> I just really I good. love that that little bit that he gets to be in there where he's just like. Do we need to invade? You need some help? Because I got some boots. <laughs> like, I love, love his character. Yeah. Anyway. I, anyway. I, like, I actually like that show a lot. It got a lot of flack uh, for being bad. Just being bad. Like, I don't think even people said very many specific things. They're just like, it's so, it's not funny. And I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was good. Yep, I, I thought it was good and it. funny. Um, and it <laughs> had good people in it. I felt those people were incorrect. Yeah, me too. Same here. <laughs> or are you just you're just saying what I was saying? Never mind. Uh, oh okay. no, I'm agreeing with you, so and also coming from your perspective. <laughs> Thank you. Let's talk about uh, Gemma Simmons, uh, or as <gasps> I, as I like to call her, Nana Three Dots. <laughs> what? Because she's she's Deke's Nana, and then she's got them three dots. That's that's just she's how I wrote it down. Three dots on, my, on her neck. I wanted I wanted to talk about that whole situation, and I that's why what I wrote in my notes was Nana three dots, <laughs> which I bring up because I enjoyed. Um, okay, yeah. yeah so yeah. what what is the, what do the three dots mean? Have we seen these three dots before, or is this just something to speculate about? Because I feel like we've seen those three dots before. No, I don't think so. Okay, uh, I mean we would have to look back at early Ada. Uh, if we want to make sure that she's not like you know that style LMD, um, yeah. If we think that that's LMD, I I don't even know. I don't, so we get to get some feedback saying like for sure she's an LMD. I'm not so sure. I just don't know. It seemed to me like maybe that three dot device is like it looks like it's jacked into her spinal column possibly. And my mm-hmm. immediate thought is that maybe something's uh, communicating with her. And if I had to guess, it would be like. Fitz communicating That's the message from Fitz, yeah. Yeah, because she was saying, like, if, if, uh, I, I can't really tell you if I've had a message from Fitz or something like that. And I have a feeling, like, maybe Fitz is, like, playing with her subconscious or something, or, like, not playing with, but, like, using her subconscious to communicate. Like, that's a huge amount of trust if that's what's going or, on. Or that's a neural inhibitor. Ooh, yeah, absolutely. I have no yeah. idea what that thing is. They have a little conversation later about her forgetting. 
What does all that mean? Like, oh yeah, if that is a neural inhibitor, what if it's doing too much? Yes, yeah. it's, it's slowly taking away her mind. Oh gosh, please no. We already had that oh. in season two with Fitz. Well, that happened to Fitz. Yeah. Now it's time to happen to her. No, stop torturing. It's season seven. Let them be happy. Damn it. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. Let I also feel that way. Happy, damn it. They Let need to end in a happy place. Be happy. They need to have their own nineteen or late nineteen forties dance party in their living room. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. I understand that. I understood that reference. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I, I'm less on the Gemma is an LMD uh train. Uh-huh. Only because when they discovered that May can feel feelings. Um, <laughs> right. That is, that, Sorry. Is, that is not something we knew in previous seasons. That <laughs> <laughs> May is an empath of those that she touches. Right. Uh, it was like she touches uh, Gemma when they were looking at the device, when Gemma was excited about the device in the case. Like even the Zephyr can be traced back to this thing. And we never knew. We never knew what that was. By the way, we never got a, a showing of what that was, what it can do. Anyway, um, Gemma was excited to see it, but then May touches Gemma's arm when she leans over to look, and she gets excited right then. And she felt concern later in the episode uh, when Gemma was touching her leg and was concerned for her. So. She gets emotions transferred from Gemma, but she doesn't get anything transferred from Phil. Yes. From Coulson. Exactly. So that's, and that's, that's two Coulson's reasons. Well, that's two reasons that we know that um, she's different. She also didn't respond to the, um, e- the EMP. EMP a couple of episodes ago or, whatever, or like last episode. So I have a feeling there's something else going on here. That she's I don't I don't know that LMD explains it. If it is LMD, they'll need to explain. I will feel like they broke the rules if it's LMD. I know they could explain it away, but it will feel like a cheat because as someone sitting here trying to figure out, they've given us two reasons to think she's not an LMD. It'll feel like they gave us those reasons just to like just to throw us off the scent. Yeah, I don't like clues that are only there to throw us off the scent. You know, red herrings. Um. It could still be, though, because we, we had it established in uh, in season four, in the beginning of season four, actually, when the like there were burst EMPs that were happening in, in the major cities. And Ada was not affected by that because she, uh, the Radcliffe, Holden, Holden Radcliffe had engineered her power core in such a way that it had shielding against EMP. OK, so. Gemma Simmons or Gemma and Fitz could have found that EMP shielding right. and, you know, I- implemented that in their advanced uh, LMD, Chronicom, hybrid, whatever, the, in, in their version. And Right, I just don't see why they do wouldn't that. have done that for uh, uh, Coulson unless it was a uh, Fitz saw the future thing, which we talked about a couple episodes ago, but... I just don't see why they wouldn't have given him the same thing, especially since it seems like that's, it seems like he was created after her because they activate him like at the beginning of the season. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. They, they activate him, you know, at the end of season six, beginning of season seven, whatever. But maybe like, maybe they put, maybe they only had that shielding for them and not for the Coulson LMD. 
as a um, as a wave, just in case uh, an EMP happens, Colson gets shut down, but they don't so that it keeps them from looking like LMDs. And all the focus is on Colson being an LMD because Matt hates robots. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Maybe maybe Mac, maybe Mac had them strip that shielding out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> they're like, we need a way to we need a way to take him down. He's the Batman of this particular Justice League. <laughs> oh man you know what i just there, there was a line where she uh where, where daisy and did you think daisy and susa had some chemistry dude i ship daisy and susa forever now yeah me too and i don't know like they didn't have that much interaction but i really thought they had chemistry a little yeah. bit of like yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know why i want I want Daisy and Sousa dancing in the living room. <laughs> we just, we pan out on a neighborhood and we just see lots of windows with like, uh, <laughs> May and Colson through one window and Sousa and Daisy in another. That's how the show should end, right? Like, and, and Fitz and Simmons in one and Mac and Yo-Yo in another one. Fitz and Simmons for some reason end up in separate neighborhoods because they just can't get a break. Oh wait, we forgot about the love triangle. Uh, explain if Susa if Susa and Daisy are like really compatible, but then um, Deke also likes Daisy because he wants to you know, he put a limit on her bed. Yeah, but that, I I feel like they've let that go, and I feel like he's mostly let that go. I could not see them really getting together at this point. No, I couldn't either. But like, what it, I mean, he's got he probably is going to have some resentment. Maybe, mm, maybe, but that'll he be, was, that'll he was be still kind of a her approval. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think he still has a bit of a thing for her, but I don't know. I feel like, I feel like if they go that way, it'll be a little petulant of him because she's, oh, yeah, she's made yeah. it pretty clear and he's dated people since that. And like, I don't know, just let it, let it, let <laughs> the it go. The people deep. he's dated since then are a crazy lady and a lady that looks almost exactly like Daisy. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so uh, I really love when her and uh, Daisy and Sousa are going into that room and she says, so you've been here before? And she says a few days ago, 1931. And it looks like they've redecorated and it looks like a, um, <laughs> it looked like a computer room with all these computers. And I just really enjoyed, like, it felt like a, an escape room to me, like going into right. that little room and there's like a little hatch and they get in there and it's like a totally different design. I don't know. It just felt fun, man. It was fun. And I, oh man, that speaking of that particular scene, the little exchange there where, <laughs> where Zeus is like, whoa, high tech. And she's just like, nah, <laughs> like, no, not at all, sir. <laughs> yeah. I, oh I man. Love it. What about the uh, phone the phone scene, like having getting, him flip out over the phone, was so cute. He, yeah, it was so cute because he's <laughs> such a cool customer all the time. Even when yeah. they, they told him like aliens, all this stuff, and he's like, "Yeah, you should have just told me that from the beginning." But then, like, <laughs> you probably need a bigger computer. That thing is tiny. <laughs> <laughs> and then showing him the showing him the computer and letting him uh, fl- just completely flip out. It, in such a cute way like i can't it's, the, the, cute is the perfect word for it good job yep, uh, yep. by the way i'm sending you a screenshot that i found incredibly interesting uh, oh this freaking computer screen they discover that yeah. has all the project insight targets from 1976 or 73 yep. i guess 
Um, Bruce Banner, Victoria Hand. Yep, Victoria Hand. Uh, so Gabe Jones, I don't know who that is. Conrad Murphy, Bruce Banner, Victoria Hand, Ben Harris, Betty Wright. Uh, yep. Nikhil Asader. Uh, that's Nicole. Oh, it looks like it. Okay. Nicole Asader, Michael Phillips, Roger Stewart, Margaret Nelson, Leonard Terrace, Jim Torres, I think. Okay. Leonard Torres, Jim Norita. Jim Morita. No, no, no. Oh, God. Oh, Jim Morita. Yeah, who is that? Jim Morita was one of the Howling Commandos. Oh, that's right. You're right. He's the grandfather of the uh, the principal in Spider-Man Far From Home. Or not Far From Home, Homecoming. That's right. That is right. You're totally right. Uh, Roberto, Roberto Gonzalez, uh, Robert Moores, Thomas Hall. And I think it was one that didn't make it onto the screenshot. And it was uh, David Robinson. Do you know a David Robinson? Did I ring a bell? You know a David Robinson. I, you mean David Robertson, my friend? Oh, from is, the DC was it not Robertson? No, it's Robertson, not Robinson. But yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Could have so been funny. Gabe Jones is a thing. I want. I, like I don't. I don't know. We probably should, oh, he maybe he was a Howling Commando as well. Yeah, it looks like he was a Howling Commando as well. Um, Gabe Jones was a Howling Commando. Yep. Man, this is fun. This is just like real fun. <laughs> uh, we know Bruce Bruce Banner, uh, Conrad Murphy. I'm not sure. Let's see. Like probably okay. also a Howling Commando. It's possible. Okay, we probably shouldn't go through every one of these. Maybe we'll just no. We should do this off of the cast. And we and, should not edit this at all. Okay, you're right. You're right. Um, that's <laughs> fine. Conrad Murphy, Earth six one six, as a descendant of a warrior king. Arda Ulfa, Conrad Murphy, Ulf. inherited by his father, John the Mace Athshma, which in turn delivered as heritage to his daughter, Sandra. So Sandra Murphy is his daughter, and uh, she his, is, a, is a, some sort of fighter character. Uh, his first appearance was in Secret Warriors 24. Yeah, she's a member of the Caterpillars. It looks like she. He. There's not much information on him, but if you click <gasps> oh, through to his daughter. His yeah. daughter. His daughter was a member of the Caterpillars, um, which the Caterpillar program was in Agents of Shield. Oh, that's right. When they were doing the Secret Warriors. Yeah. Dang man, that's some deep. That's some deep continuity. Uh, all deep continuity, all on a little screen. Really, really love it. We know Victoria Hand. I don't know who Ben Harris is. From. About to find out. Here, let's 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 take turns. Uh, you, you look at like Ben Harris. I'm looking like Betty Wright. Uh, okay. All right, guys, join us on this exploration of all these names on the screens. We're we're doing it so you don't have to. Because um, <laughs> you know we all want to. It's Betty Wright. Interesting. There's a real Betty Wright who's an R and B singer, but I don't know that that's pertinent. Okay, so Betty Wright, as far as I can tell, is just a R&B singer, like in real life. So that's interesting. I don't know why she would be wanted by Hydra, but I guess. Not finding anything on Ben Harris. Yeah, it's very possible some of these are are unrelated or they like, this is the kind of list that people sometimes throw in like, like a producer or something or like a friend of theirs. So it's very possible they could have done silly things like that as well, but I'm not seeing anything on, uh, Nicole Amador, Michael, you check out Michael Phillips. I'll check out Roger Stewart. Oh, here we go. Here's an article specifically about that. 
About what? About that list. Oh, okay. Marvel's new Project Inside Targets explained who every character is. <laughs> it's published three hours ago. Nice. <laughs> yep. So Peggy Carter uh, is not on the list on screen, but but he's um, but Sousa says so. Sousa says it. Bruce Banner was on there. Uh, Nick Fury apparently was on there. Victoria Hand was in the show. Jim Morita, like I said, Roberto Gonzalez was uh, the leader, the Edward James Almos shield leader. Oh, from season two. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yep. Uh, Isabel Hartley was on his team. Susan Morse apparently was on that list. Uh, She's the mother of Bobby's mom, probably. Yep. Bobby Ma or Bobby's mom, the mother of Mockingbird. Nicole Amador could be related to Shield agent Akila Amador. Oh, that uh, makes sense. Few of the names on the list are people who don't have a clear connection to anyone in the MCU, uh, like Ben Harris, Betty Wright, Roger Stewart, Margaret Nelson, Leonard Torres, uh, Robert Moore, Thomas Hall, David Robinson, Ben Taylor, Andrew Nelson, Jesse Cook, Mark Roberts, Ronald Collins, and Susan Parker. They could be shield agents or people in positions of power that were shown on screen. Neat. Neat. And, and also, uh, just a little callback on this screenshot I sent you at the top of the screen. It says level seven access only, which I feel like is a little bit of a callback. Welcome to, to level seven. To the very first episode when he says, welcome to level seven as he steps out of the shadows, especially since we know there are higher levels. So it's weird that this is, uh, I guess maybe this was the highest level at the time. Maybe they invented high. Maybe Fury invented more levels to shield. He's like, we need to, we need to take this up a level. <laughs> so silly. Uh, why, why don't you just make seven higher? Our no. shield goes to eight. <laughs> but why don't you just make seven higher? Oh. Double secret levels. <laughs> we got all these double secret levels. All right. Before we get into the feedback, uh, anything. Oh, shield uniforms. Those cool old school oh, blue yes. shield uniforms. That was the neat. The comics accurate shield uniforms. Yeah. That was super silly, but super great. I loved the line um, about how like an underground, oh yeah, an underground base full of men in jumpsuits, always a bad deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the yo-yo is so like pop culture aware. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> She's just like, come on, man. Like this is obvious bad stuff going on here. I, I literally love Susa's line. <laughs> Avenger. Is that a good thing? Yeah, right. <laughs> I love that she Daisy speaks to him as if he just knows. And he's like the he's like the uh, the fan or not the fan. He's like the watcher. Or the the viewer who has not watched any of the previous episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they just kind of like show up, maybe click over and be like, oh, what's this? And he's just like, what the hell is going on? And they're like, yeah, yeah, what the hell is going on? (laughs) Because this season is so referential to past seasons. Like, yeah, this is this is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doing what Marvel Cinema or uh, Marvel Studios did in the MCU with like Civil War. Where they just like, all right, you either know and have watched most everything so far, or you're going to be lost. So we got a story to tell. Let's go. It really is a lot going on. And like, at like the end of the episode, the mention of Daniel Whitehall, and you're just like, if you don't know who that is, it means nothing. But because we know who that is, 
like it means everything, especially the right. fact that like, um, I mean, we, we, we talked about the waves and ripples and things that we don't want to happen. Is this before or after, I guess it'd be before sky, sky's mom's death. So, or like, well, yeah, yeah. This would be before sky's mom's death because we know, uh, Whitehall was in prison until then. That's right. That's right. So we know this is before her death. So this is like the source of everything Sky's gone through. And and we mean to say Daisy, but uh, Sky Daisy has gone through. And so like, talk about a wave. Like if there's a reason for her not to kill Whitehall, I don't think she'd listen. Yeah. I think she is killed. I think she's going to kill Whitehall and set this whole thing off on a different course. Yeah. You think we're going to get her mom back? I I think we what definitely if, could, and I'd love to see Sousa and her mom on the screen together. By the way, they're they're on a show called Dollhouse together, and I freaking yeah. love them on Dollhouse, both of them. And so that's just kind of fun. These are these are people <laughs> that Whedon loves to use and has used in other stuff. And I yeah, I just the the more I think about the idea that Sousa is now on the team and this show could end with a tie in to the first Avengers movie where they're like in the battle of New York makes me so happy. This episode made me think it possible because we got things like that, uh, really beautiful shots of the, uh, missile going off. Like I thought this episode, the, the effects were actually kind of extraordinary when they're going through those little hallways and then they open up into that huge missile launch facility. I was like, wow, wow, this is yeah, pretty right? damn good effects. And uh, the idea that they might end with them actually encountering like one of the biggest events in MCU history, like that's that'd be really rad, man. It would be. That's like a massive convergence point. It's also the movie that like launched this series, too. That's what's so cool yeah. about it. Coulson died in that movie seven years ago, and then they built this whole show around his death and what where what happens to him after that. And like. This could absolutely be a great way to like bring it full circle, which I freaking love. Yeah, I worry though that they they would hit a different version of it though, or if they like they've affected the timeline so much that that doesn't happen. Hmm. Well, that's what they're trying. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, that would be the that that probably be what they're trying to do is like set the world right. And so if they continue to go forward, I guess they just have to like somehow. S- you know, if Hydra has done something to affect that battle and now they have to like fight, uh, it just, it's so back to the future too. It's blowing my mind. The idea that our heroes might be like fighting in the background while like Iron Man, if Iron Man flies through a shot while they're fighting in the background, I, or, or like Iron Man flies through a shot in the background while they're fighting in the foreground. I will be floored, man. I, I want it so much. Right. <laughs> Like it would be so good. And then they have to obviously go on to make the time variance authority. Obviously. That would be rad. I do like that idea. I don't know if they're going to do it because I don't know how much this is going to tie into Loki or like how much they want that M studios wants to, because you know, this show hasn't been nearly as tied into the studios as this show was not really a Kevin Feige project. And so I don't know how much they're going to want to keep it tied or they're just going to like, let it fade into the background. I, I don't know. But I, I, I like the idea a lot. I mean, mm. we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to wait and see how Loki goes. Um, yeah. Just to, to, you know, they might 
They might give some history on the TVA. They might just be like, eh, you know, this exists. <laughs> do with yeah, it. yeah. I have a feeling that's going to be more the thing, but I, but I don't know. If they do say this just exists, deal with it, then we'll know that it was the agents of Shield. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. They could do that, especially if they tie that in at the end of this. Which I could, I could see. I absolutely could see it. <laughs> like, like Kevin Feige tossed him one bone. <laughs> right. Or it could just be the the very end. Uh, they we find out that's who Fitz has been working with. You know. Ooh. Like maybe the T they don't start the TVA, but that's where Fitz is. Fitz is off in the future dealing with the TVA and like communicating with his team. But I don't know why that, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. Cause then the, why isn't the TVA actually just getting involved? That seemed to make <clears> more <throat> sense. Or maybe this is how they work. Maybe they send people back. Maybe Loki is going to be about the TVA, like suicide squad style, making Loki work for them. Like maybe Loki is traveling through time, setting things right. Hmm. Nah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Throwing ideas, just, just, just throwing <laughs> things just, out there, throwing things. We'll the wall. see. Yeah, I mean, if you if you make enough suppositions and theories, eventually <laughs> one of them has to be right. Shh, don't tell everyone our secrets, and then we can wave our flag around like, yeah, we're the we best. Did it. We did it. <laughs> Go us. Um, I really enjoyed the scene between Susa and D. I just like Susa. In every scene he's in and he, the yeah. way he interacts with the entire crew, um, the way he interacts with Colson is just awesome. Just the man at a time talking to Colson. It just felt right. It felt so good. And then on top of that, you get this, uh, scene between him and Deke where he's like, you know, you're playing with houses, watching the house burn down, you know, and then burning the house down. And then, uh, Deke's, he says, I was pulled out of my life for this. And Deke's like, we all were. I just, oof. it was really, really like impactful and a really great argument to be had. Like Susa yeah. really wants to change things and they're still trying to maintain the status quo. And it's like, maybe it's not time for status quo. Maybe you just fight the fight in front of you. You know, that's what Seuss is used to is fighting the fight in front of the, him. And they have like kind of like lost, lost sight of that. But they're they're looking at it from this crazy perspective. Whatever Fitz is trying to do, and wherever he's hiding out, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of I'm really frustrated that we haven't gotten any Fitz on screen. I know this season. I I'm frustrated at that for like the actor who plays Fitz's sake, and also like for our sake because Fitz is a great character who's been in every season of the show and has been a wonderful part of every season of the show. And now he's just not been here. And it's, we're almost, uh, we're about a fourth of the way through the season now. Oh, oh more than that. Uh, yeah, this, yeah, this, this was episode five and there were yeah. what, 13. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. We're almost halfway there. Yeah. Dang. For some reason I was thinking it was 16, which doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crazy. Um, I really liked the, the, the final choice that Mac had to make. I, I was so sad. I thought for sure his parents were going to die. I really did. I thought he was going to make the decision to let them die. And like that probably was the right decision, but I was so bummed about it, especially after losing his daughter and now yeah. he's going to lose his parents and he knows yeah, how but, hard it is to lose. Uh, I don't know. It just like, it's just awful. Like torturing, torturing to Mac. But if he loses his parents, like doesn't he then cease to exist? Uh, it depends not based on the kind of time travel in Avengers Endgame 
which if this is the same kind, which is seems to be what they're getting at, uh, he will always exist in this timeline because he exists in this timeline. There's no back to the future disappearing happening. Okay. Deke okay. keeps bringing that up, but I don't think that's how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Deke is being like, you guys need to bone because like I need to exist. They already stopped Deke's future from existing and he still exists. Yeah. But that doesn't mean necessarily that they don't bone and. Sure. Make- but the version of him that is him that went through the things he did in the lighthouse, that version shouldn't exist. Shouldn't he should be right. changing if if that's how this time travel works? But as Bruce Banner, it's it's like a logical fallacy. You can't have events that create themselves that then uncreate the events that created them, according to which is a really confusing way to say. Bruce Banner probably said it better. Uh, paradox. Yeah, yeah, it creates a paradox. Um, I just really liked that scene, and I liked him, you know, looking like he was going to kind of give up. But he basically decided he wasn't going to stop, let Project Insight happen, but he did think it was more important to save his parents than it was to allow the team to stay secret. Yeah. Which, that's a very questionable choice. Like, they can fly the Zephyr, and and they've got defenses on the Zephyr. It's not like they can... It's not like they're defenseless, you know? It's not like they... If they give up their position, they're screwed and are well, getting blown out of the sky. That is basically I what mean, they have said in the last, the, the previous episodes is like, if they find us, we're done. We're just like, they, they, we, we, we've seen, the assumption has been that the Chronicoms are so powerful that they're not, they're not going to have the chance if they get found out. Eh. Uh, that's, I mean, I that's, mean, that's been stated that's, in previous episodes. That's why they, that's why Fitz is hiding from them. Right, right. And, like, I can see that. I, I see, rather, I hear that they say that, sure, but I don't see that on screen. I don't see the Chronicoms being so unbelievably strong. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we'll see. Because, like, Daisy keeps knocking them out. Well, they're not strong against these smaller incursions, but if you have their spaceship versus the Zephyr, I don't know, man. I don't know. This is Earth technology that's just pretty new still. Of course, we don't know what kind of crazy things they built in since they apparently had a considerable amount of time. (laughs) Uh, Let me just say my favorite line in this episode, though, was... um, Come with me if you want to continue to exist. Okay, that that is probably one of my favorite lines of this episode. But uh, (laughs) also, I really loved... I was getting through to him. He felt otherwise. (laughs) He felt otherwise. Uh, it, was really, it was a really good use of her powers and it combined with her previous like using her feminine wiles because she like reached for him and touched him on the chest real delicately and then punched him out. It's just so good. Just really, really good stuff. I love it. And <laughs> I love that that he seemed like he was like so on board with it because Phil was like, you know, alien, alien robots, you know, synthetic. What was it? Synthetic androids. And he's like, organic or mechanical? Yeah. And he's like, it's like uh, both, I guess. It's like, uh, that is troubling. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, my favorite line in this one was not just when Enoch showed up and, and said, you know, come with me if you want to continue to survive or continue to exist. exist yeah. When, <laughs> when Phil was like, nice wheels. And he was like, thank you. 
Like, it has best-in-class fuel economy. Oh, yeah. And a five-star safety rating. <laughs> and, and then he peels out. Consumer like, Reports gives it a five-star <laughs> safety rating. And it has best-in-class fuel economy. <laughs> like, yeah, so good. Why do you care about that, Enoch? He's, he's gone native, man. He's gone native. Yep. That's <laughs> I freaking loved it. <laughs> loved it so much. Uh, well, oh, let's man. get into the feedback. We got a few people that wrote in about this episode, so let's uh, see what they have to say. All right, Drew Grek. Hey, I heard this name before. Yeah. Also, he. I think you should do this this voice. I know we're we're not doing all the voices. We're trying to be uh, sparing with it, but this one I think is one you should do. He says, "Please make Jeff read this in an Enoch voice." Enoch voice. That's <laughs> totally fair, right? Yeah, that's fair. Um. Hello, compatriots. This episode was very good. The Chronicoms are, as my best friend Leopold Fitz would say, the absolute worst. User reviews gave this podcast a five-star rating. Thank you so much, and keep up the exceptional work. True. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for that, Drew. Appreciate you. <laughs> uh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Enoch, for the for the five star review of the podcast. <laughs> Do we need to go back and read his uh, his review or his five star review, Enoch? <laughs> no, this was written from this was he was inhabiting Enoch when he wrote this uh, this piece of feedback. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, also, true words, true words. Also, um, <laughs> about the episode. Anyway, yeah, really uh, next up, Andre Sparks said, guys, OMG, great episode on my toes the whole time. What's next? Mind blowing emoji. Uh, need Gemma theories. Still think she's grandchild. Oh, and old enemies are coming back. Who do you think we'll see? Keep up the great work, Andre. That's a lot of thoughts all at once. And that's very much the way that my brain works as well, where I'm just like, oh, God, hey there, but, but also that. And then so what is it? What is the still think she's grandchild question? I think that was his theory that she's the grandchild of Susa or. Oh, of Susa and. Um, or of, of, of uh, Carter and Susa or Carter and Captain America or something. I don't know the grandchild know. theory. I'm sorry, Andre. I'm sure you wrote it in before. Know. Too many theories. Too many theories. <laughs> Too much theory. Bring it back. <laughs> no, no, no. Let us know what you mean. Uh, oh, okay. I love the uh, old enemies coming back, though. I'm really excited. I, I do. Th I think we need, we need Avengers in this last season, and we need uh, Grant Ward back. I really think we Ooh. need Grant Ward back. Yes, yeah. yes. To get Grant Ward back would be so killer. Yeah, man. For sure. All right. Oh, eight four says, "Well, that all happened. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that it did. That it did. That's a good start. It's a good start. Um, I feel like all the setup of the last episode really paid off here. Souza is adapting the best that he can, but there's only so much a person can take before they start to lose it, like he did on Simmons and Deke. There's some really fresh, out of the ice Steve Rogers vibes he's putting off. Right. Uh, I agree yeah. with that completely." Yep. Uh, I did like the on-screen chemistry between him and Daisy, though. Her showing him that not all tech is bad was a nice moment. Is LMD Simmons still a thing? 
I was sure this was the episode where she would reveal it and at the end uh, and lead us into a Fitzsimmons flashback extravaganza next week. But alas, no such luck. Still, they're pushing the idea pretty hard with her and Enoch's conversation, despite the fact that she apparently wasn't affected by the EMP in episodes three and four like Coulson was. It's clear from the writing that they're paying attention to themselves. They're acknowledging mostly everything that reviews and podcasts have questioned so far, including Simmons' confusion with the random timer, uh, the Malik chronology from season three, and of course, May and Yo-Yo's inconsistencies in the early episodes. That impresses me considering this has been in the can for over a year. Uh, finally, I'm hoping not to hear too much Mac hate this week. In his position, I can't say I would have flooded the base with my parents inside, even if I was the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. preventing a Hydra attack. At least he had a semi-effective plan B that hopefully won't have too many consequences next week, although I'm sure the consequences will lead to some fun action. Until next time. Yeah. Uh, that's all some great thoughts. 084. Uh, and yeah, it's really impressive how ev everything that we're talking about uh, has been really like fleshed out on the show. Like They're answering all these questions. It's just really, really well done so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if LMD Simmons is still a thing. Like I said earlier, I, I just I'm not so sure anymore. Like, I'll still believe it. Like, I'll still say that I called it <laughs> when when they show her to be an LMD. But they're doing a pretty solid job of, of drawing me away from that scent. Yeah, off of that I trail. will. I will call it the opposite way. I do. I think if they if she's an LMD, it'll be a disservice because I think they have done multiple things now. Uh, with the EMP and also with her touching um, May that like that she should not be an LMD by their own rules. And that always annoys right. me. If they break their own rules, I'll be annoyed. But then if if she's had a considerable amount of time to develop this, this stuff and, and work on everything, like work on the healing chamber, like how old does that make her? Right. How, well, why does she still look the same age? Well, she could have been on ice. Uh, we know that Fitz has gone on ice before. Uh, she could have been. Uh, she could have used the healing chamber to stay young. Uh, could could be all it's kinds not the of things. Fountain of youth. Well, we don't know that. I mean, basically, aging is just your cells decaying. So if you have a some sort of like machine that keeps you young, it could be the fountain of youth. Uh, I'm just throwing out ideas here. There's lots of fixes for why she could still look the same and have had considerable amount of time. Um, or if Fitz, you know, if Fitz and her took turns going on ice so they could work different problems or, you know, we just don't know, man, we don't know. <laughs> and I, I really, uh, the other thing I brought up here is the, um, the, a flashback episode and I cannot wait for something like that. I want to know everything that happened between last season and this season. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Well, uh, let's see what, uh, Melissa Khalil uh, who won trivia just a couple weeks ago has to say. Yeah. Uh, she says, first off, you guys freaking called it again. Simmons is a freaking chronicom. <laughs> Not so sure anymore, but thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I hope your prediction that her and Fitz created AI slash chronicom versions of themselves to time travel with the team. And they actually stayed back and lived a life together. Similar to cap comes true. My only question is, why did Simmons not power down when that EMP burst at the base happened last episode like Coulson did? Also, it became so obvious that Simmons was a Chronicom this episode, too, uh, because when Matt gave the order to not flood the base, Simmons hinted at a similar thing to what the Chronicom said to Freddy. It's just one life versus thousands. It doesn't make sense. 
which is crazy because if they did flood it, Mac may have ceased to exist and it's not, it's just not a Simmons thing to do or say. Hmm. That's, that's an interesting point. Something, yeah. something is up with Simmons. I clearly something is up with Simmons. Uh, what I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, uh, based on their own rules, the Chronicom thing or the LMD thing doesn't really make sense. Cause we saw a Chronicom and an LMD go down to that EMP, but yeah, it, but I don't know. I could see her making that argument. She has that sort of cold scientific side to her that like, no, this is the thing to do. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. We have to do this. Um, so I don't know. I could see her doing that. That, that doesn't feel unlike her to me. Well, it feels unlike her earlier iterations, hmm. but, you know, that's actually something that I wanted to bring up. There, there was a, a, a line from Sousa in this episode where, like, they had, uh, Daisy had taken a hostage. Like, she had, um, oh, right. She had taken Nathaniel, and Sousa was like, so she takes hostages now? And he's, he's just shocked that they were doing this, like, bad thing yeah right for the greater good she held a man's son at gunpoint you know that's that was crazy right that's a bad thing but then also simmons says you know it's one life versus thousands and like that's they're becoming such darker characters it's hard to walk the line yeah uh when you're when you're fighting darkness you know but similar to what i said earlier with uh with susa they've they've seen they've got this such a um you know, uh, a large view of everything, like a zoomed out view of what's going on, that they're not fighting the fight anymore in some ways. And Susan wants to get down on the ground level and fight the fight and save everyone he can. And they're like trying to play the long game. And it's, there's definitely some tension that they're playing with there. And that's really fun. Yeah. And they absolutely would have played or rather they absolutely would have fought the fight before like in earlier seasons they would have they would have said no we don't trade lives right, right? Yeah, we don't trade lives and that's very much the conversation and they they would have said you know there's always another way to to do these things like colson says that so many times there's always another way and oh and such they've become such different people from season one it's mm-hmm. crazy yeah and it's never felt like a leap in their character. It just felt like they're moving, growth. moving through. Yeah. It's, it was growth. It's change. And that's, that's what good shows. Good television is all about that. So I freaking loved it, man. Yep. Uh, Melissa Khalil goes on to say next. So many callbacks to the movies project insight. Come on. But also, can we please talk about Daisy and Sousa? I feel like they have such good chemistry uh, and I, I need them to be a thing. Okay, that's Daisy like sh- universal so far. That's like for me, you, and two feedbackers have written in about Daisy and Sousa being a thing. Yeah, so that's, I mean, we have a quorum. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely have a quorum on those two, on shipping those two. Yep, yep. <laughs> Daisy's, she says, Daisy showing Sousa modern technology just melted my heart. I mean, Sousa does love his difficult, strong-willed women. It is giving me heart palpitations. Oh, that's a great, that's a great pull that she's... <laughs> Very much uh, one of the things that um, Carter always liked so much about Sousa was that he didn't he wasn't threatened by her strength. And I think that's something that uh, Daisy needs in a man as well, being that she's quake. 
Yeah, I mean, she's been in some shitty relationships so far, right? Yeah, for sure. In this show. I mean, Lincoln was probably Lincoln, her best Lincoln one. Was pretty good. It was all right. He mm, he had some issues. <laughs> I thought Lincoln but was pretty good. He he had some issues. Sure, sure. <laughs> anyway, 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 anyway. I don't honestly uh, don't remember them very well, but yeah. Melissa Khalil also says, lastly, Daisy's character progression has always been my favorite of the team, and this season has just been a wild ride for her. The fact that Nathaniel has Daisy as a hostage and contacted Daniel Whitehall shook me so much, because a lot of this season has unknowingly revolved around Daisy having to revisit her past by connecting with old Hydra foes, people that ruined her life before it even began. And now that Nathaniel is trying to give Daisy the same fate as her mother, i.e. stripping away her powers and leaving her for dead is just insane. Daisy truly has a personal vendetta against Hydra, Daniel Whitehall, and the Maliks, and I cannot wait to see how this plot progresses. Plus, the Chronicoms know the team's position now? I really wish this season was longer than 13 episodes, because I don't think I've ever been this excited for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ever. I think I'm with her on that. I don't know that I've ever been this excited. Like, maybe turn, turn, turn... Like the the prospect of the shows connecting to the movies in such a real way, that was really cool. But like from a, on a week to week basis, just talking about how good the show is, yeah, just being excited for the next episode to come out. Yeah, it's never been like this. Like I, I can look back now on season four and think, you know, the Darkhold season, the you know we had Ghost Rider, we had LMDs, we had the framework, like all of that was such good tight storytelling. But like in the moment, I was just kind of, you know, normally excited for the next episode. Right. Kind of, you know, that mild anticipation of like, yeah, I mean, we got to do it for the for the podcast. I'll watch it right when it comes out because yeah. you know it's been good. I'm not going to be unhappy about it. <laughs> the thing with that season is there just wasn't a lot of filler, which Shield has been known for having like you know five or six just sort of filler episodes per season. And so far there've not been any of those. And just like the pods, although these aren't the pods, um, they are doing these little two episode arcs, which is kind of similar. Yeah. Uh, by doing the different time periods and like, it's all connecting to this overall, like even str more strongly connecting than previous seasons where they're like, literally they save Freddie Malik. He turns into older Freddie Malik. Now it's his sons that look like they're going to be the threat going forward. Yeah, I really love it. And every, everything that Melissa says here about how she's got all these enemies, all this stuff that, that has been revolving around her character. Really, really, really good points. Thanks, Melissa, for writing that in. Yep. We have some uh, very astute, very watchful listeners. And um, I'm really glad they're part of the community because yeah. we get to read their stuff. And then we sound like we're super <laughs> intelligent, <laughs> you know, riffing off of that. And, you know, it. It, it builds, you know, it's <laughs> the rising tide raises all ships. The rising tide, it all comes together. It all comes together. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that is all for this episode of Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. We, uh, just so you know, in case you don't hear it on the next episode, we do have trivia this Wednesday night. And uh, if you haven't tried it yet, this would be the week to jump in. We are starting our first season of trivia. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be playing trivia every week on Wednesday nights. And um, every week we're going to be giving away a t-shirt for the winner 
Um, and then at the end, we're going to be collecting all of the points that you receive throughout the entire season. And then whoever wins the season uh, will receive a, uh, as of now, we're looking at a copy of the uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man game. So if that sounds when it fun. Comes out, yeah, holidays when it, this year. Yeah, yeah, when it comes out, holidays. So you'll, you'll, we will, we will buy you. We, we will pre-order it for you or whatnot. So, so you're ready to go when it comes out. Um, so that's going to be fun, and uh, we're still doing. Um, oh, did we'll, we'll actually we'll announce uh, the review contest tomorrow on tomorrow's episode. Um, but yeah, so sweet. Well, thanks guys for joining us. Please join us for trivia on Wednesday night. It's I if you get in now. Like it really is one of those things where like we're giving you get a point. Uh, you can get a point almost every question, and those points can add up, and you can be a winner. Be, be the winner of the season just by being the guy who shows up um, every all the time. So uh, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be really fun uh, to finally have those like leftover points. I'm just excited about it. Um, all right, guys. Well, we will be back with you very very soon uh, to talk about some other more general non shield discussions. So peace. Until next time, true believers.